Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you will enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. And we're live. Rick, what are we doing here? G'day, Tim. Good to see you. I didn't see our pictures on the live thing. Are, are people going to be able to see us today, or is it just hearing our voices? Uh, the beauty of the internet is that there's a delay. It's so awesome to have everyone with us today. We're giving Twitch a go. We've had some people listening to us lately say, you know what? I'd really like to see Rick in my mind. He's a handsome fellow. Uh, so I'm sorry. I've now gone and shown that's not entirely correct. <laughs> but uh, we've got Tim here to balance out the handsomeness. So uh, you guys what can you see saying? us today. Hello. Welcome. Hopefully you can see us. Um, they can see please us. do throw all your questions in the chat. Preface it. Preface it. Um, put in front of it QSTN so we can see the question. QSTN. And then we know it's a question because otherwise we're just going to read everything in a monotone like you're actually telling us stuff. Right. So exactly, we do have nice beards at the moment. Thanks for noticing. It uh, mine has a lot of. This is my first child. That's my second child. You can see it changes the color. So anyone out there with kids, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't have kids yet, then uh, you know. And all this up here, that's called wife. <laughs> <laughs> I've got more hair here than I have here, so there's a hat to cover that. So yeah. I'm gonna look like Rick for the day. You know what? I think that's something to do with having having powerful brains. Either that or brains that are overheating. So it's like, you know, so much heat given off, all the hair drops out. Maybe. Or it's just bad genes. Or keeping the light out of your eyes, one, two. Anywho, let's have a look and see if there's some questions. Um, thanks, you guys, for joining us. I saw a question right at the top. I'm like, you know what? There's maybe an answer to that that will make folks happy. There was a question about, are you going to create a procedural generation course for Unity? Well, I've recently did a poll in our Facebook group. If you're not part of the Facebook group, it's a good place to see polls and lots of other cool things. Um, asking about procedural generation, AI, physics, and a couple, or maybe it's just those three. And uh, procedural generation was the, here's what we would like. So we maybe this is a secret. It's not promised. It might not happen. Don't hold me to it. But we may be prototyping procedural generation as we speak uh, for Unity. So we might be going down that path. Maybe. So, uh, thanks to everyone who's been like, where the hell? So it might be on its way, but as always, um, hold tight. We'll get it to you if we think it's up to the standard and all that kind of jazz. I'm excited for that one. Procedural generation is my favorite. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is cool. And uh, I kind of, I've got a whole bunch of things I want to start um, blabbing about, but they're also still <laughs> a little bit confidential. Um, Okay, let me tell Don't you, tell I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Just, this. Okay, tip. fine. One thing, Rick, and then we're done. Okay, then we'll go into something else. One thing. So I don't know if anyone who's watching or listening at the moment has seen me talking a little bit about what I'm calling the Unity Challenge Club. It's a thing that I've been working on behind the scenes for probably 12 months now, coming up with the uh, the idea, the concepts, the um, the way of going about doing it. And the general idea, it's not yet launched, it's not yet available for you guys to jump in and participate in, but it is in our closed beta or closed beta, depends where you're from, with um, a whole bunch of folks who are, who are kicking the tires and helping us find the issues and the bugs. Basically, the whole approach is that 
we provide you with project files, which we're calling quests and a bunch of challenges. So it's a little bit like in our courses where you need to listen and learn and think about stuff. And then we give you a challenge, you know, hey, apply this in a particular cool way to do cool stuff. Turning that whole premise into um, a club where we can give you these project files. You can start with a game that's like a, a side-scrolling game and we give you the, the core mechanic and then we give you a challenge, which is fix this bug, improve this thing, add one of these, um, twiddle this around, make this awesome. And the reason that popped into my head is one of the quests that's done really well that people are like, I like this one, is where we give you the, the fundamental architecture in, in other words, I explain to you about procedural generation and say, go figure out how to do it. And people have just been loving it, enjoying that a lot. So um, we're trying to sneak a lot of these little things in for our community who have already been through some courses. They've already learned some stuff and they're saying, hey, I, I want more. Give me some intermediate type things. Give me some ways to, to practice, to get better at being a game developer so I can flex my muscles. And um, that's a lot of what the unity challenge club is going to be about so. i love that you call them quests that's amazing you know what's really interesting tim is the amount of times i've talked to someone and we've flipped around quest and challenge and i'm like maybe maybe the whole thing should be a challenge and you have quests within it and then no no no, it's the other way the whole thing's a quest and you have challenges within it no no, no. so i've settled <laughs> on the whole thing as a quest and you have challenges within it but uh yeah it's a good thing to muddle up the words on quite exciting I think so I like it. It's I mean, very I've totally not been reading the chat and there's probably a thousand questions. So we'll move on from my exciting rant. Anything you've seen in there, Tim, that you, uh, any questions for um, you to answer? Someone asked Unreal versus Unity for fighters. Um, we have a whole video on that. We can link the it. The fighters, like as in Mike Tyson, what would he prefer? We'll or have to ask him. We'll have to get Conor him on McGregor? the Game Dev TV podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Conor McGregor, do you like Unity or Unreal? <laughs> <laughs> Um, um yeah for fighters okay. i assume like a street fighter type game yeah either one honestly it's it really it's fascinating um we made a video on this recently didn't we tim you and i talking about unity versus unreal we did and i think that's i'll link that shortly but here's a good question for you uh so um penguin man 98 which is an epic username because i like penguins uh I want to build a tile-based top-down game, but Unity 2D tutorials don't get to those until later. If I have a solid programming background, but not so with the Unity editor, how good of an idea is it to skip ahead? This is something I was actually asking you because I'm going through the Unity course, so that's relevant. What do you think? Yeah, um, you can skip ahead by all means. So if you're going through the uh, Unity 2D course and you've got a programming background, I think you could probably jump straight to the block breaker section. And to be perfectly honest, you can jump to any section. If you've already got a programming background, then when we're going through things, it might be a new Unity type concept that we've explained earlier. And then we just assume that you know it, but you'll see how we do it and you'll, you'll be able to follow along. And if you get a bit stuck, you can go back um, and check out the more detailed explanation of that. But if you don't have a programming background, then you'll get super stuck because if we if we're talking about things programming wise it's kind of hard to follow if you haven't got that core concept already right we're talking about well let's just pass in some parameters for this method and you're like what what none of that makes sense then you, you'll get really stuck but if we're saying let's go to the hierarchy and then you know select our game object and we need to nest a child underneath this you can kind of 
you know, if you if you're not too bad at following these things, then you'll be able to figure out what's going on. So um, you can skip the first one or two sections. And I'll say I, I agree with Rick. I'm actually in that process right now. I'm going through the Unity course, and I I started at the very beginning. I have a ton of experience in game dev. I made dozens of games, done all that stuff. But I'm just now learning Unity, and um, I thought I could skip to the Block Breaker course, and I was I was debating it, but I didn't. And I'm actually kind of glad that I didn't because even though the game like the text-based games aren't the most fun thing to do if you have game dev experience right because you can make stuff um you know ping pong everywhere and do crazy stuff i don't know how to do that in unity right and i need to learn how to do that so i'm kind of glad that i stuck with it uh and did it because there's a lot of little things that um that i learned about from rick actually uh going through that like little things like the lock in the unity editor and stuff like that like that were like oh that was like a thing that he said in passing but now that's very useful for like moving forward and yeah. all that stuff so um you, you probably could but if you really want to learn unity i would say stick with it yeah i i agree i mean i'm i'm hesitant to tell people you have to watch every single video because you know i know people right. are going to ignore that advice and do what they want to but um watch them in two times speed and absorb it and then play around and i think the best way to get value out of that is to as you're watching it push yourself to do something more complex so if we're talking about what's a variable and you're like i i know this so well you know this, i'm past this stuff then push it three stages beyond that to wherever your ability affords right. and absorb the unity stuff and push yourself on the other technical aspects and maybe what sort of game was it that um our friend was looking to make a, top -down a 2D. tile based top down game yeah. then see how you can start to incorporate some of those elements or some of the mechanics into the earlier projects so you know you get you get even more learning from them one of the things i was challenging myself to do too as i was going through the course is like i understand what you're talking about i understand what you're proposing and like before you do it i was trying to get it out in in unity to like do that because there's a couple things that like i covered but like i know where you're going with it because i've built games before and it's like I tried to do it so i was trying to do it like before you did it to just kind of challenge myself so that worked out pretty well yeah cool cool good questions awesome um just out of curiosity if you guys in the chat can let us know who here is a unity person or an unreal person just so i get a, a um breakdown between those two because we tend to have a lot of unity questions so i kind of and given that i teach unity courses uh, we tend to gravitate towards unity but this by no means is the the unity twitch unity unreal unreal right. unreal unity unreal both unity <laughs> wow look at that yeah awesome we, Godot, we sorry and as well and yeah i'm i'm i didn't mean if you if you're a Godot person you're not welcome here uh he i just mean that. yeah well, no i don't <laughs> everyone is welcome even the hang on everyone watch the look on tim's face as i say this deep pause even the construct three people Construct 3 is a fantastic engine. Don't you go there, Rick. Let's <laughs> yeah. go offline. We'll handle this shit offline. Um, yeah. Okay, so I think it seems like a big mix, but it seems like Unity is kind of winning. Kind of. Uh, well, don't you... Oh, Tim, you've just started it now, haven't you? Using the word winning, that's... Yeah. <laughs> There's slightly more Unity people here than Unreal people. That's... Yeah. Maybe we should just maybe maybe you shouldn't bring up engine wars in the first place. Maybe that would I don't know. be everyone helpful. Love, everyone love we love talking about it though, don't we? We're kind of sick <laughs> of talking about it, but we kind of love it. It's like when you you have a relative, you know, in the family who comes along and uh, you know at, at Christmas or Thanksgiving and they're a pain in the butt. You're like, oh, hate talking about that person, but oh, did you see those things that they did? We still talk about them. Does anybody program an assembly? 
Assembly. Ooh. Yes. Uh, I, not me. <laughs> Why not? Uh, adjust my lighting a little bit here. Um, high tech by pulling my blind down a little bit. There you okay, go. cool. I've got a cool question here from bookfan97. I'm trying to apply for studios for a gameplay programmer position. Awesome. What are some things that studios look for within portfolios that are programming specific? I've been working through that. How to get a job course, and it's been super helpful. Well, first of all, um, cool. That was going to be my recommendation. Check out the how to get a job course. But you're looking at, at portfolio, and um, I guess maybe what you're asking about is artifacts. So if you haven't been through the how to get a job course, we talk about the concept of creating an artifact, which is like a, a pre-interview project where you look at what a studio does and you go and make a thing exactly relevant to what they do so if it's a studio that makes collectible card games then you go and make a mechanic or a feature or a piece of art or a character or a, or a game design or something that would slot right into their latest collectible card game so they can look at it and say damn that's what we would want you to do if you came work yeah you came and work for us it's more relevant that if you've got a general portfolio, just sort of stuff that you did while you're at school, where you've made a you know a shooter, and they're like, well, shooter and card game, maybe you've got what we need, maybe not. Uh, so in terms of what's good to impress them, you need to find out what they do, and it needs to be tailored to that one very specific studio. And you need to say, okay, they make this sort of game, I'm gonna make a mechanic, I'm gonna make a feature, I'm gonna make a small project. And it doesn't so much matter a lot of the times, what engine you make it in or what language you make it in. But if you see on job descriptions from that company that they are looking for people with C++ skills, then make it in C++ so you can show them, hey, look, I can use C++ and I can use it to make these little mechanics and I can, you know, I can do it like that. The other thing I'd say for programmers looking to impress, look how good a gameplay programmer I am, is go and spend 10 bucks or 20 bucks or 30, on some assets to make your thing look good because if you go and do programmer art i guarantee there's going to be someone an hr person or a, or a creative right. director or someone who looks at it like what's this garbage Ugh, you know here's a cube bouncing into another cube and there might be one sort of obscure programmer in the corner being like oh that's amazing look at the way that they've rendered the such and such and the collision and oh, it's great but you want to make sure it at least looks okay on the surface uh, and doesn't just look like programmer art. So hopefully, book fan, that helped you out there. Someone asked, if Stack Overflow is down, can I still skip chapters? If, <laughs> still, <laughs> no. I thought that was funny. That is a good one. Um, it took me a moment. Chapters? <laughs> I think because we just had a question from book fan, I'm like... <laughs> book fan chapter. Chapters skip from book fan? Oh, yeah, but we're back um, to talking about... Yeah. Don't, yeah... I was going to say, are we thinking about teaching how to integrate PlayFab or something similar with Unity? Integrate, integrating what with Unity? PlayFab. That's the um, visual scripting, right? Or the, is that? Uh, no, Bolt is the visual scripting. Right, okay. Unity, I think. PlayFab, that sounds to me like a um, microtransaction ad type thing. Yeah, I multiplayer services cross-network. Okay, yeah. Oh, is it multiplayer? Hang on. I'm it's a little bit Microsoft. out of touch with the... Playfab is server stuff. Sorry. Okay, showing my ignorance on this. Um, we don't we don't have a game plan at the moment of server type stuff. Um, so none just at the moment. But please make a lot of noise if it's something you're interested in. Yeah. And that could be 
could be the sort of thing that could sneak into the challenge club maybe um that's part of the reason that i've been that i created the challenge club is to try to find a way if people are like hey i'm kind of interested in, in this topic it's not necessarily relevant for an entire course but people want to play around they want a reason to play around to do a particular thing they want some input some guidance they want to talk to the community about it so see if we can sneak some of those things in um in regards to that zabaro says can we please talk about that there is almost no good guide tutorial for doing games in the browser webgl or something especially isometric stuff uh, uh, a tim ruswick plant i see that we have someone in that's the not audience. a plant i just that's something that came up is that something we could talk about or yeah 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 man yeah i mean we just need to we need to, you know, if anyone's watched me or heard me talk about stuff, whenever we talk about projects we're working on, I'm always really cautious because if we promise it and it doesn't happen, people are like, you let me down, Rick. You know, you, you, you I, I trusted you. Uh, so we just need to make sure that the instructor who's working on the particular thing you're talking about fully intends to prioritize that work and get his done. So, <laughs> so um, what would yeah. you like to talk about on that front, Tim? Um, I'm working on a course right now for HTML5 in browser. Um, like I said, some stuff has been slower than usual, so no dates to promise or anything like that. But um, I'm super excited because I've used a tool called Construct3, which is actually a game engine in a browser, and you can make games in the browser. So you can do literally everything. I've made games on my iPad. It's amazing. Um, and it's one of the really cool things about like Construct3. It's a super powerful tool. It has programming and stuff like that, but a lot of the stuff is like visual scripting, and uh, I'm super excited for that. Like I said, no timelines because you know that gets a little iffy, but um, I'm really excited because I feel super strongly. I love Unity so far, Unreal looks cool, haven't used it, uh, but those are really overkill for a lot of the games that I want to make personally. So I'm excited for like in browser HTML5 stuff, which is coming up. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting as well that um you know whatever engine you work in you can get things up and running reasonably quickly um but reasonably quickly might be a couple of days but when right. it comes time to i just want to make this cool little thing or i want to make and i want to have it i've got a bit of an idea i want to start to grow it sometimes even for someone who's an experienced developer in another engine it's great to jump into a quick prototyping tool and yeah. get get the ball rolling in there not to mention it's super cool if you've got any friends or family and you can sit down with them for 10 minutes. You're like, hey, I know a thing or two about using this online um, web development, game development engine. Right. Let me show you a couple of things. And then you can have your friends, your family, your kids. You can, you can get them up and running really quickly. They don't have to go through the course. You've gone through it. You've watched exactly. it. You understand it. But you can share well, that. I think that's a really nice way to spread the game development love it is and you know fun fact i actually taught my mom how to use construct 3 in under 10 minutes she had a platformer working we're running and jumping and everything and like she's the most non-technical person i know and if she can pull that off like this is a super easy to use tool and like you said fairly quickly it can sometimes be a few days for some engines but fairly quickly for construct could be under an hour right like you can make a game in a couple hours uh, and on top of that, because it's HTML5, you can take it to every platform. So you can literally make, you can make like cool little mobile games. Um, you know, you can make infinite runners, you can make all kinds of stuff um, with that. And it's it's really cool and it's really fast. It works really well for game jams and stuff too. So if you just want to make these cool little web projects, like it's, it's going to be amazing. And I'm personally interested in smaller projects a lot more 
than bigger projects because they take a lot of work man video games are hard <laughs> yeah they're very hard so yeah i'm excited about that mm. yeah cool i'm excited about that as well so that that'll be launched uh at the end of this month right tim uh hold on what, <laughs> what? Hang on, uh no it's gonna be a little right. longer than that i gotta i gotta yeah that's it's coming soon you'll, you'll get there no, soon tm awesome. no the whole the game dev tv philosophy is do it right rather than doing it right. quickly it's a little bit you know dare i compare us to nintendo because it's you know very different worlds that we operate in but it's the same philosophy and the same mentality um, I worked fortunate enough to work in a studio a number of years ago, uh, Next Level Games, that had a very tight relationship with Nintendo. So tight that I, I think you might have seen that Nintendo actually acquired Next Level Games, which is super awesome. Um, and just seeing the way that Nintendo operated, and I, I worked on a project that didn't launch. It was one of those ones that got halfway through and was like, oh, maybe not. But just to see the Nintendo philosophy of it needs to be perfect, take your time, you know, work on it. Um, you know, it's not quite there yet. Keep giving it a try. It's it's a really nice approach to have. It's difficult. You need to have the business to back that up. But we try to do that as well with our courses to only release things that are that we think are up to a certain standard, to have people go through it and give us feedback to improve it, all that kind of jazz. So it's one of the things that makes the game to you courses fantastic. And I'm I realize I'm biased, but I'm also going through the Unity course now, and it's like I really appreciate the the effort that's went into that. And like as an instructor too, um, I really appreciate that. Like you know, we're holding to those quality standards because like y'all are here to learn, right? We don't want to give you half the thing. Um, you know, it's it's helpful to kind of learn the whole thing. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, what other questions do we have in here? Uh, I am a software dev at a DOD uh, company. What's DOD? Department of Defense, uh, I think. Oh, Department of Defense. All I can see is COD when I see that. <laughs> like you, <laughs> you work at a Call of Duty company. That must be uh, intense. How is the salary for game devs? How are the raises? How are the bonuses? Oh, interesting question. So, um, like anything in life, if you're really, really good at what you do, you're going to be in high demand, and you can you can ask for for more of the monies um if you can prove you're valuable and i think in game development it's uh comparable to a lot of other development but probably not as high as someone who's working on military software or banking software or um you know something that's that's maybe a uh, more financially lucrative type thing so yeah I'd, you know what? i don't have a good answer to that one it's it's okay, but people don't get into game development for the money. But if you're a really good software developer, then you can expect to be paid a bunch of money, um, you know, particularly if you're senior. In terms of raises, well, it depends on the company very much. Depends on how well the game's doing. So if you're working on Fortnite, I imagine, or, you know, not as recently, but League of Legends was, you know, a bit of the previous. They were just throwing money at people um so any of the big games from the big companies that are just rolling in cash like um the fortnite team that tons of raises and bonuses i'd imagine but uh, a smaller indie team you kind of have to do it a bit tough until your game is a smash hit and then you might be able to make some big monies so that was from the great grass hopefully that answered your question i don't feel i gave a super good answer to that one yeah 
How would you um, properly showcase a programmer's portfolio? That's a hard question. I think it comes down to what you said, Rick, of like, you got to use assets and make it look pretty because like, unless a programmer is going through your code, they're the only ones that can appreciate it. More than likely, it's the HR person looking at your resume and they're like, what is this cube? Can, how does that equate to what we need here, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've had I've had folks in the past, not so much nowadays, but in the past, they're like, here's a link to my GitHub repository. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Download right. your project and spend hours going through your code that you may or may not have written. So um, it, it's a tough one with programmers, but I think any of these things, the first thing for showing your work off is a video, like a 20 second video of here's a thing that I did. It can be longer if you've got explanations, but it's got to have explanations. You can't just work on a game and then show the game promo. It's like, what am I looking at here? This could have been a team of a hundred. What did you do? It needs to be a video where you've got titles on it or words on it saying, you know, I implemented 17 different modifications for the bounce me mechanic. And so as someone's watching it in the 20 or 30 or 60 seconds, they're like, oh, this person did that. Oh, they did that. Oh, they also implemented that. I can see it and I can understand it. That's cool. Yeah, that's, then they might say, hey, can I see your code? Maybe. That's a really good point though, because like when I've hired programmers before, if they've sent me like stuff, like I worked on this and they send me a game and I'm like, oh, what okay. Yeah, like this is a four year project. Like, where do you fit in that whole thing? Were you like one contractor that got hired for two hours one time? Or were you yeah. like the core programmer, make all the systems? So yeah, definitely being specific. I, I think a video is a fantastic idea, like yeah. um, showcasing this, maybe even talking about it. Um, video is just such a better format for describing stuff like that, yeah. I think. It's a good yeah, idea. A, lot of, a lot of companies nowadays will give a programmer test, so you get a chance to prove yourself but don't just say well it's it's the test or nothing also create a thing to show them because it's attitude as well i would hire someone who is eager with a great attitude but their skills aren't quite there yet over someone who is you know amazing but a little bit like you know any day attitude is super important yeah enthusiasm and and proactivity um roddy 94 hi i'm trying to make a mobile game cool most for fun, but eventually I will try to upload it on the store. Are there any copyright issues? Should I care? Um, cool. So copyright issues to look out for is nearly always related to artwork, artwork or names or titles or characters. So if you're making something that's original, in other words, you've, you've made it up, you're not going and saying, I'm just going to copy, I'm going to make Mario with the Mario character and the Mario you know, pipes and whatever. If you're making your own thing and if you've paid for any assets that you've got from an asset store or they're free and you can see the licensing says that you can use it wherever you want, then you're cool. Like there's nothing to worry about. You can use the um, the code that we provide in our courses. There's We have a, we have a use it however you like uh, policy for our code. Uh, the only thing that we do in our courses is say that if we've giving you asset packs where we've said you need to get the license, you know, you need to buy a license before you publish this, then, you know, we'll tell you that at the time. But, you know, honestly, so long as you're not stealing other people's stuff, you're not going to have any copyright issues, I don't believe. Flying Whale Studio asks, is this live? Uh, depends when you're watching it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> if you're watching it in the future, it's not live for you, but it's live now. Oh, is that one of those, you know what? Sometimes you get, I had a friend of mine who's like, I fell for it, Rick. 
I was, I was on a website looking at a thing. And then 15 minutes later on Facebook, I saw a, a thingy that said, join the live webinar to do with the thing I just went and looked at. I'm like, what a coincidence. That's amazing. And then halfway through, I realized, oh, this isn't actually a live webinar at all. This is pre-recorded, but making right. me think that it's live. It's actually just one big ad. So yeah, yes, whoever asked that question about, is it live? This is live uh, right at the moment, but you know, you might be watching a recording of this, in which case it's not live. <laughs> Zesik says, as much as I love Tim defending Construct, having come from Construct 2, I have to say that Construct has made some questionable design decisions, most notably being a game engine that is designed first and foremost to work in a browser. I, okay, I gotta, I gotta say this, okay? Don't, I'm not gonna derail the whole thing, but let me just say, I was completely against Construct 3 when it came out. I was like, nobody asked for this. I was using Construct 2, it was a program I had installed, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, well now the third version is in a browser, and I'm like, literally nobody asked for this. <laughs> like, all I wanted was a better thing, and you like rewrote the whole thing in a browser. What's going on? But, I've come to love it. It is so easy to get into, it is so easy to access, Everything is going browser-based these days. The majority of tools that I use are browser-based. And I, in retrospect, as I was pretty upset about that. Actually, we had a whole joke in our stream that like you couldn't mention Construct 3. It was a banned word. Like I added as a swear word in my channel because I was so upset about it. But in retrospect, like they were very forward-thinking and I've come around to Construct 3. I have a subscription. I've made dozens of games in it. Um, I love it. I think, I think maybe there's some performance stuff that that having 10 million tabs in chrome also your game engine in there could is not the best <laughs> but mm. other than that literally it's one of the coolest things ever and like i said i taught my mom game dev because i could just pull it up i put it up on my ipad i can edit my game on my ipad like from an airport which is amazing like i can edit on my phone if i wanted to so mm. i agree with you but then at the same time i've changed my mind i really think that's a benefit not a not a con um, like I like I first thought it was. I think it makes it more accessible. The other thing is we're talking about Chromebooks, right? Chromebooks are huge in schools now and stuff too. Well, what do you do? How do you download Unity on a Chromebook that doesn't run Windows? You don't. So having tools in the browser that are super accessible to people, especially in like foreign countries and stuff like that, like it's amazing. I think that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Cool, cool. Um, awesome, seriously asking, will you do another game jam? So the question I have for everyone watching at the moment is, would you like us to do another game jam? If the answer is no, then we might still do it anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> I vote doing it anyway. I love game jams. Yeah, game jams. They're very cool. Um, so hopefully, let's see if anyone is answering that. Yes, sure. Yes, cool. Yeah, why not? There's a whole bunch of... This is interesting. I worked in market research for a long time, and there's an interesting uh, mechanism where you, you know you're going to get bad data if you ask a person do you want something cool or not want that something cool people are gonna be like <laughs> sure give me the something cool it's it's much more much more powerful to say do you want something cool a or something cool b so i asked you a, would you like something cool where it doesn't cost you anything it doesn't harm you if we do it you know you take it or leave it everyone's gonna say yeah um uh, except for uh zesix no to game jams no to all game jams <laughs> gotcha um so yeah we we actually we've been talking about um the annual game dev tv game jam it's probably time for us to kick that into gear again and i think lucy or someone um put out or yong actually who organized the game jam last year 
um, put out a, a message on Facebook saying, are you guys interested in doing a one week game, game jam instead of a one month game jam? So last time was one month. What do you guys here who are watching at the moment? What do you think? What would you prefer a game jam that runs for a month or a game jam that just runs for a week? Yeah. Poster responses in the chat. Love to hear. Cause there's definitely pros and cons to both, right? Like, Rick, you love data. I'm not going to ruin the data. I'm just going to let them respond. I was going to say, I was going to start spitting my opinions and I'm like, wait, hold on. Let's give Rick you his data. data well, I've seen you. I've seen you get a little bit of romance with data at times. Yeah, but like yeah. like you said, if you say it's a cool thing or the not cool thing, everybody's going to be like, oh, I want the cool thing. So. Yeah. But see, oh, I, ac I actually accidentally showed the alternative that I was talking about, the one week versus one month. Um, so what have we got here? A week, a month, a weekend, one week, one month, one week, one month. Gold. Yeah, it's very split. <laughs> that doesn't help. This is not a scientific poll. We, we got straw poll. We can hear. I can run a poll. Oh yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it better. Okay. I was talking to talking to Stephen. Don't know if Stephen's here watching at the moment. G'day, Stephen, if you are. The other day, and he confused the bejesus out of me because I guess his accent is a bit different to your accent. He's he's an American as well, but he's talking about stropple. Like we could do a stropple. <laughs> like what the hell is a stropple? I don't know this stropple. I felt a little bit silly. Like stropple. Like everyone knows about stropple. I'm like well, I guess I've been living under a rock. I'm an, I'm an old man after all. Stropple. <sighs> and then um I, I'm typing into my browser S T R O P P L. I'm like stropple. That sounds like a a cranberry drink or something. And then he's like, no, S-T-R-A-W-P-O-L-L. -L. I'm like, straw poll. Oh, okay, I get it. So, <laughs> Okay, here, I'm in the chat. I'm posting a link to a straw poll straw where you can poll. vote. It's one week or one month. Everybody click that link and vote real quick. And I'll, uh, right, I'll share the results. Well. So click that link and we'll move on and we'll come back to it in a second. Um, How long do you want the game jam to be? Uh, let's see. Mm, where do you click? I can't click anywhere, Tim you click vote click vote but i haven't clicked on what i oh it's showing me the results beforehand oh well <laughs> that's we're i'm that done with the technical difficulties here <laughs> I, sorry <laughs> sorry look at me being all mr critical <laughs> tim you didn't yeah. do it right it's not the right way of doing it i had looping <laughs> audio man this is our first stream in what three years someone said someone said we should do this before game dev tv did do this before we just revived this account from the the grave yeah so we're still figuring all this out you don't even know what a game jam is for those of you that don't know what a game jam is it is a challenge where you make an entire game in a set amount of time usually it's a weekend or a week or a month and everybody gets together and there's a theme so you say oh the theme is skeletons that's a bad theme i wouldn't do a game jam on that theme but like then everybody would make a game that includes skeletons or something like that and it's really cool to see kind of what comes out of that because it forces you through the whole production cycle right like a lot of times you don't have really have a reason to finish the course or you don't really have a reason to make your game or something like that but given a timeline it kind of forces everybody to make their cool thing in a short amount of time and then you get to share your stuff and immediately when you're done everybody else can vote on your stuff too and you get to kind of share it all and it's it's a really cool um awesome little experience to me i've done dozens of them and i i have more fun every time i do them Yep, yep, cool. And the part of what I was talking about before with the the Unity Challenge Club is we know that people love game jams. I love game jams as well, but there's often a barrier if you're not yet 
confident enough with your ability or you don't have ideas floating around in your head, then game jams can be a little bit intimidating. So we're trying to cover that kind of in-between beginner and ready for game jam, cover that area for folks who want to be given a little bit more structure, but still work on a game that they can take in their own direction. So we're trying to add that into the, the challenge club. Still haven't quite figured out how to do it, but we might do some mini jams that you guys might hear about coming up in the future. Does Rick really love game jams though? Yeah, I love them. What's, how's your, how'd your struple go, Tim? My struple, I think we did something wrong. It's, it's showing zero votes. Stephen's probably sitting there watching um, it like, screw you, Rick. I'm done <laughs> with we the, say it. Here, we're going to do it one more time. <laughs> oh, it There's didn't work? Everybody click that link, vote. How long do you want a game jam to be? Did it? Oh, no. Sorry, I shouldn't have made fun of you. I'm sorry, Tim. No, I'm, doing you, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go cry later about it. It's okay. It. So you we have bully to me live on stream. The, That's fine, Rick. Do this struple again. Struple. <laughs> Let me see if it actually went go. through this time. Okay. There we go. This is basically one big experiment to see whether oh people will click the button. It's not working. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know what's going on. There's been a. It's a. I'm just going to say my opinion wins but how about instead of game jams we talk about developing high performance networking stacks for unity mm. there we go what do you think that about that rick is that going to be a about. course yeah we've currently got a, a certain number of viewers i can see talking about high performance network stacks would maybe hook it to the database and yeah i don't um, know it's a cool cool thing to think about and talk about i don't know if i'm qualified to talk about high performance networking stacks just at the present um but let's look at some more questions here. Back to being serious after our Struple adventures. <laughs> the adventures um, of Struple. <laughs> sounds like a game name. Um, okay, and anybody has a question, pre preface it by preface, preface. Now you messed me up, right? Yeah. With a QSTN so we can kind of pull it out of the chat. Um, uh, so here's see. one from Tenalal. I've spoken to a few people in the industry now and suggestion of finding a mentor has been recommended a few times. Any tips on finding one programmer for me, but the question is general. Mm, good I, question. I think mentors are one of those things that like, if you ask somebody to be your mentor, you might freak them out a little bit, right? Like it's not like if somebody asked me to be their mentor or something like that, I'd be like, I, that that's a weird like title. But like if you interact with people that you that inspire you and you can kind of uh, build a friendship with them, um, I think it's you can learn a lot from them. I actually think Rick has become a mentor for me, to be honest. And it started as just kind of a friendship, and we you know we met uh, at in a group and we started talking, and now we're doing stuff together and we're working together. And it's been like it might have been weird if I like emailed him and asked him to be my mentor, right? So. Um, <laughs> I might have made it a little weird, and Rick would have been like, "No, we don't talk to you," and I wouldn't be here today. So, it's been um, weird for a while. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I messed up my camera there. Um, I would say, like, find people that inspire you and that you really admire, and interact with them, and don't be scared. Like on Twitter, on email, like ask them questions via email, right? Like, especially on social media. Like a lot of people, they w they would love to answer questions from you. Um, and you know, if if you vibe and you interact well. Um, it can turn into something more and I would just kind of go with it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Often what people mean when they say find a mentor is they mean find a coach. And the distinction for me is a mentor is someone who's within your world that you can say, hey, can can I get some advice from you? Can you give me some some wisdom? Whereas a coach is more of a someone that you would pay for and say, hey, I, I'm blocked, I'm stuck, I don't have right. the strategy, I don't have the motivation, I don't have the skills. Can you please, you know, guide me based upon your you know, your particular approach or technique. And I think the finding a mentor, like Tim says, is is just the best way to have someone help you is to help them first. So if you go and add value to someone and for, with no strings attached, hey, I've done this thing or I've looked at the thing or I can see you've got a website and I've gone and done an audit on it or I've promoted you or whatever it might be. This is the tough part is to creatively think of how you can add value to someone. So add value to them, do some good things for them. You know, if it's someone that you can see in person, then, you know, go help them often to sweep their floor or make coffees, whatever it is. Um, and then through that process, you can start to express, hey, here's how I could use some help from you. And you've already built up some of that that karma, some of that collateral. Yeah. Whereas finding a coach is just, you know, searching, check out their videos, have a have a pre-conversation with them. So see if they can chat with you for 15 minutes um, before you start a any kind of paid partnership with them um, and just see how they work. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, hey, Tim, question from OlCR303. OlCR, uh, what are the games every game developer should know? I was about to ask you that question. Ah. So I have it highlighted. Uh, that's a good question. I like that question. Um, but it's one of those questions that like everybody's going to have a different answer to, right? Um, I, think, I think that what I would say to that question is, I would find the three games in your genre of the game that you want to make and find those, the ones that inspired you, the ones that pushed past a lot of stuff. Um, so I'm making a game called Battleborn Tactics right now. Um, also making a game called Murder Bunnies. But Battleborn Tactics is a turn-based, grid-based tactical game. And the top three games that I kind of looked at for those, I think Into the Breach is one of those. That I really, really liked Into the Breach. And we did a whole video, Rick, uh, you and I kind of playing through it and figuring out how it worked. Um, XCOM is another big one because it's a very, it's one of the most famous tactical games out there. And, um, then there was this game called Militia, which is like not very well known, but it's, was really, Melissa? really cool on Steam. I've met a lady named Melissa. <laughs> Militia. Militia 2, actually. I bought it. It was like a $4 game or whatever. Um, and I think it's, it's hard to say like what general games because like, a lot of times people will say stuff like Super Meat Boy or they'll say like these indie games that kind of blew up, right? But I think there's a danger in kind of looking to those games. One, because the timing is completely changed, right? The timing when Super Meat Boy launched is way different than the timing now. And even if you were to make that same game, you would not have the same success because you don't have the past and the history and the connections and the timing and all that stuff other there. So um, I would find games in your genre and ask fans of your genre that that you should really, really study. And I think you can do that by just going to like Steam and um, and and looking that up. You can also go through like a game you really, really like and then look at similar tags on Steam and it'll show you a bunch of similar, similar games. But yeah, I don't think there's a way to like pick top three games that every game developer should know because everybody, game development is such a huge thing that like there's so many different genres, so many different types of games. Um, 
but yeah i would i would set it to what you're kind of looking to make yeah, the other the other thing I'd add to that is as a game developer, make sure you make all your crappy games as quickly as you can and get them out of your system because you've got to do it. You've got to make a platformer, you've got to make a shooter, you've got right. to make um, you know, the the overly ambitious game that you have too much scope on and you're like, "Well, that was too much scope." Because you have to you have to learn it yourself. If it's just someone like me or tim saying hey make sure you don't have your project too big you're like what does that even mean i'm gonna i'm gonna show you guys and then after you're working on it for three months you're like okay now i understand what that means so i think good game developers have have that um benefit of of wisdom and experience because you've gone and made these things i when i was way many gazillion years ago when i was at um game design school i saw that we all needed to get out of our system two things uh, not those this I'm keeping this clean had to get out of our system two things one was the game we'd always wanted to make our dream game we had to talk about it and had to design it, have a bit of a go at it um, get it out of your system when you're a beginner so that you can return to it in 10 years time when you know what you're doing like the dream game that you've always wanted to make don't make that first or else it's going to be like or you'll spend years and years and years and years on it you're not yet yet ready uh, and the other thing is games about zombies or pirates or ninjas something that's been done too much although it's saying this out loud there's not too many ninja games but you've got to make the zombie game and then not make a zombie game ever again because there's enough of them or you've got to make you've got to make the clone you've got to make the flappy bird clone although i would argue you don't got to make the flappy bird clone just skip that one completely but uh if you make it don't show it to anyone because it's kind of no one wants to know anymore so get those things out of your system and then you're ready to be like, cool, now now what are we doing? I'm ready to, I've served my apprenticeship. So what I heard is your top game of all time is Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird. You know That's... what? I, I spent a lot of time understanding and studying and considering Flappy Bird when it first when it first was big, before it was a bit, you know, done and stale and, and it's been done a million times in a million ways. And I'm like, why on earth? Like, what is it about this thing? Why on earth did it, you know did it stick and obviously it got promoted by pewdiepie and a couple of things like that but why did he even bother doing that and for me it came down to two things there's a couple of two things theme going on at the moment one is it's hard as hell to get a score like jap 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 crash i got a score of one what games aren't supposed to be like that so that was cool it had some remarkability by having an edge of being super difficult but i think it's the bird it's the actual cat you look at it you're like that's a fish or is it a bird? And it's the exact same reason that I, f- I believe Angry Birds was as massive as Angry Birds was. Good game, good mechanic, but they'd been launched the thingy, projectile, physicy games before. But you look at that one character, the Angry Bird character, and you're like, I like that. There's something about that that has a presence to it, a remarkability to it. So a lot of the times when we're making games as game developers, we work on you know, months and months and months on the mechanic and the tuning and the, um, you know, the, the cleverness, the under the hood cleverness. Sometimes you just need to spend the time or money, if this isn't your skill set, for someone to make a character and to remake it and remake it and remake it and remake it until you get to the point where people look at it like, oh, oh, oh that's interesting. Oh, wow. So that for me was Flappy Birds. So you think the success of Flappy Bird is just comes down to the bird? Yeah, I do. You really I do? do? That's interesting. That's Go fascinating. Google. Go Google the flappy bird bird and you look at it and you're like, that is 
what is that <laughs> it's you know there was a big thing that every, when it got pulled from app stores everybody was saying that oh nintendo sued them or whatever that wasn't true but like a lot of the art looked very retro nintendo it looked very super mario oh yeah yeah um, it's the i mean the pipes the right. pipes are nintendo but yeah. yeah um it's you never know and that's why i was saying like top three games every game developer should study like I think time is that other vector there, right? Like you have to, what you study now is not the same thing as you would study five years ago or 10 years ago. And I think the mistake a lot of people make is they study games. Oh, I've heard of Super Meat Boy. So they study that as a success, yeah. but that's no longer a viable success in like today's market, right? It's like, it's outdated. So even Flappy Bird, like that's when people get into mobile games, they're like, oh, I'm going to make Flappy Bird, but with tanks. And then mm. it's like, that's the next thing, right? Shooty tanks. Flappy tank. <laughs> Flappy tank. <laughs> Thank you, and bird. It's I don't like, know. There's so many possibilities. I get where you're going with that, but like you're studying the wrong thing. You're, you're attributing all yeah. of the success to the thing when there's so much else going on, right? Yeah. I think there is. I Absolutely. If you look at the particular execution, so Super Meat Boy is a good one. It's like gore and blood and it was difficult and wall jumps okay so i'm going to make that because it did well that's going to succeed but there's been you know ten thousand people do that same thing between then and now so the market is that that's no longer remarkable but the thing we can understand from these past games and their successes is that concept of remarkability and remarkability evolves over time it doesn't mean necessarily unique it doesn't mean necessarily the world's best, shiniest, whatever. If you look at, at um, Flappy Bird, I think the remarkability is the character because it's like this round blob with big lips. And it's like, what is, what is that even? It is kind and of random. So you, you can't go and now, exactly what you're saying, Tim, you couldn't go and make a character that was like a, a dog with big lips and have it be like, yeah, I'm going to do what Flappy Bird did. But you can say what is remarkable in 2021 that will stand out that people haven't seen a million times that I can show them. They're like, what the hell? Oh, that's yeah. cool. I got to show my friend or I'm offended. It's got to be something that gets an emotional reaction. Uh, and that I think is what we can learn from those old games. I agree. And anybody that's interested in this kind of stuff, um, if you search what makes it work on YouTube, Rick and I did a whole series of videos where we, we dive into the first 30 to 45 minutes of a game and we talk about what makes it remarkable and what makes it actually work. So search that yeah. out and you'll find it. But I miss those. I'm going to do more of those. They were fun to do. They were. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find... Sorry if I've missed your questions. I think there's been a couple of questions in terms of, hey, can you answer my question that I asked? Just looking through the list here. Um would it be a cool idea to consider a small two-hour course that prepares people for their first game jam from very naughty llama so is that saying would it be a cool idea for us to make a two-hour course that prepares people for their game jam or for very naughty llama to make that course or just conceptually is that a good thing to do i would watch um, a very naughty llama teaching how to prepare for a game jam that's something i would watch why yeah. are we not funding this rick I think that'd be cool. Uh, preparing people for their first game jam. What to expect, how to go about doing it. It's interesting because there's a little bit of let's do a game jam and you feel a little bit foolish saying, what, what do I do? How do I do it? Because people who are already in there are like, everyone, you don't know that and you call yourself a game developer. So yeah, I think that's a good point is not just what to expect, but, but all of the ins and outs of getting prepped for it. Actually, if you're listening to this in chat, 
type out if, if you're thinking about joining a game jam but you're not sure you uh want to or can give us the reason in chat why you wouldn't or what would stop you right we want to know because if we if we do a game jam we want to make sure that the game jam works for everybody and there's a lot of things that would stop people from doing a game jam and if you know what some of those things are for you let us know and maybe we can kind of break those barriers down for you if it's like a course something like that would help let us know yep good question good question tim um, um snipe is asking what's up snipe would you guys ever do a tutorial on making physical games like a card or board games so i'm actually making uh, a card game currently uh that's something i'm doing uh it's called murder bunnies it's coming to kickstarter soon but that's interesting it's game dev tv that's me as myself but game dev tv is something they're interested we in doing. we do have a board game course how to make board games um it's it's not so much about the publishing of it it's more about um game design theory and game design mechanics so uh it's an older course now it's not one of our shiniest most up-to-date ones but um, there's tons of good content in there if you're interested in having stronger game design theory there's our board game course so we've got one of those i would say um having made digital games and physical games physical games are fantastic for learning game design because you don't have the crutches of programming and automation and all this stuff and i realized when i started making physical games that like i buried a lot of my muddy design in technical pizzazz right like if the if the if the design isn't quite right of like how you you shoot the gnomes uh you can make it feel better you can add a sound effect you can add explosions you can do all this but like in a in a card game right you don't get any of that so you really got to make the interaction interesting and it really makes you think about your design a lot more so anybody that's interested in game design i would recommend checking that out too yep cool uh question from we'll get to your question in a second tim the people giving their answers to your question but uh one other thing from creative steve 619 i've been learning python for the past month and having fun with it cool my question is, while I'm learning Python, I've come up with some simple, fun game ideas. How does one get their ideas onto paper easily? Okay, so I'm gonna give you a controversial answer to this, because um, I think people will disagree. If you're, a, if you're an indie developer, don't bother getting it on paper, just make it. Like just get in there and start prototyping it. If you're like, oh, here's a cool thing, like jot down, jot it down so you don't forget. Like, you know, maybe they explode and then maybe you have seven of them and maybe whatever. Just jot them down so you remember. But then go do, go make, go play with it. If you're so that's one answer to that. If you're wanting to have someone else make it for you, then you'll need to write up a document, you know, the game design document. Uh, so that person knows how to execute it. But I'm guessing if you've been learning Python, it's not about getting someone else to do it. So just jot down whatever, just regurgitate it out of your head and write it down. And then um, I think the best thing you can do if it's outside of the, the actual engine or outside of where you're building it is to draw it. Just draw a thing, diagram it, arrows. Here's the character, here's where they're gonna go. Here's what it's gonna look like. So um, that's how I would get it down on paper. But I tend to be a just dive in and make the thing kind of so guy rather than a, I'm, I'm going to write a big old document because I saw in my years of working in game studios that 
the documents, it's they end up being a bit of a waste of time and they force you to rigidly make a thing. If you here's the game design document, you're like, okay, we've we've evolved a little bit beyond that. Now our document's broken. So either you have to go maintain the document or you have to force your thing to be like the document. Um, and I believe in a rapid iteration prototyping style game development where start off with your core feature, make that interesting and cool, then layer something on top of it and layer something on top of it and layer something on top of it and keep changing, building, iterating, getting people's feedback the whole way along, feedback, feedback, feedback as you go, um, rather than it, you know, you, you're not selling a document to your audience, you're selling them a game or you're, you're delivering a game. Yeah, I'm with you there. Every game that I've ever made has been, what if this happens and I just start making stuff. And that, that's one of the things I loved about the physical game design too, is it's just so much faster. You can just cross stuff off on cards and write stuff and do all this. Um, for a long time, I felt like a, a failure or like a fraud um, because I I didn't make game design documents and I'm like, why is everybody writing these 100 page documents? I don't want to do that. Like that sounds horrible. That's not why I got into game dev. and I. I just made stuff and I would just tweak stuff and I would figure stuff out along the way. A lot of people criticize me for that too. And it's like, I've learned that that, that is one of the most effective ways for me as a creative to like make stuff. It's just like start, you take your Legos and you just start putting stuff together and then you're like, Oh, well, what if it was a spaceship? What if it was a, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, um, I've made a lot of cool stuff that way. And, and you have to do that in game jams cause you don't have time for the documents. Right. Mm. So like, it's something I would definitely, definitely recommend. Yeah. I, I think you can scribble down like a, a flow diagram or your list of features, or you can write down what the core experience is. So you can yeah. write down some notes, but I don't I don't think that's the same as a design document. That's notes on, um, you, particularly if you're working with one or two other people, you want to at the very least write down your player experience and lock that in. So if you're wanting to make a game that's frantic versus making a game that makes players feel clever, you need to make sure everyone's building the frantic game and you don't have one person the artist is building a clever Hi. game Hi. Like, hang on a minute you guys yeah you know, my art doesn't my ui doesn't fit within your game so make sure that is tight um yeah i I'm ag i agree with you 100 i'm liking the playlist from... now in chat for anybody interested in recognized series on oh, cool. game design stuff yep we had a lot of fun doing that yeah we did uh, Fish Chisa, Fish Chisa, what are some of the best ways to find people to take on projects with you, given it's a long form passion project idea aimed towards indie game financial and quality success? The payout is so far away. How do you get partners that last? Yeah, interesting one. So how do you find partners that last? You pay them money. That's the, <laughs> that's the first most obvious that thing helps. that you can do. Um, but if you're like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't have the money yet, Rick, calm down. Then cool, got it. The problem is if you, from what I'm reading towards here, a long form passion project idea, the problem with finding a partner is when I've got a thing that I'm passionate about and I love and I want someone else to help make it for me. That's when you're less attractive to partner yeah. up with. So if you're looking for people, it might be better to start off with, let's partner up and make a little fun thing together that we both have input on and you know or maybe for a game jam game jam is the best place i think to find someone to trial that whole, whole process you might be an artist and you're looking for a programmer you're like hey there's a game jam coming up who wants to partner up with me here's an example of what i can do show me an example of what you can do you partner up it goes well good communication you're on the same page you like working together you're like hey 
do you want to have a look at this thing that my passion project and see if you're interested in it? But if you're just out there pitching your passion project, it's going to be really, really difficult for someone because it just smells like, hey, you just want someone to do your work for you. Right. So, you know, I know that that sounds a bit harsh, but you've got to be very realistic about what people are going to hear. So make sure you go on a couple of dates before you ask them to marry you is kind of the, 100%. the approach. I think game jams working with somebody just because the other, the other part of it is you may not work well with them, right? Mm-hmm. They may be a fantastic artist, but y'all may not work well. They may be in a different time zone. They may have a different personality type than you. They may not respond to emails for five days and then get a bunch of work done in two hours. That's like a whole week's worth. Of, you know, you never know. So like you said, going on dates is great first. And then also like you got to make sure that when you Every time you start a project, I would always start somebody on. If you can't do a game jam or something like that and you want to hire a contractor or something like that, I think the same thing applies. I would always start for some kind of smaller probationary period of like, hey, uh, I need 20 models done, but I'm going to pay you this much to just do one. Like, let's just see how well, how that whole thing works. Uh, Because you never want to like overcommit to that kind of stuff. There's so many. Dude, I have so many people that I've just talked to in the last week that like they're in all all kinds of nightmares with partnerships and stuff for people that just doesn't work out and it's yeah you don't want to end up in that yeah yeah it can get messy and particularly if you're working on your dream project and someone works on it for a month and then they're like well i think i own some of your dream projects now (laughs) right and then it's like and then if you don't have contracts it gets even worse (laughs) it's like uh uh-oh yeah yeah um, did you see the message from Zandiel01? Can you link that video, What Makes It Work? Tried searching on YouTube and can't find it. So I did. I linked the whole playlist as if you just scroll up a little bit. There's a Good. there's a video thank and there's a whole playlist. Thank you, thank um, you. Um, let's see what else we got going on here. Um, it's called Game Design Analysis. I forgot we changed it. First we were talking about what makes it work. I recorded a couple of things, didn't we? Yeah. Um, Will co-op-based game design feature in a future update of the multiplayer course instead of just the RTS? So you're asking, sorry, will he do a co-op-based game design feature? You you um you put on your soft um, bedroom voice, so I didn't hear you too well. Uh, I'm not, the question isn't super clear, but it says, will co-op-based game design feature in a future update of the multiplayer course instead ah. of just the RTS? Yeah, at this stage, no, we've declared the multiplayer course done for the moment, but we're very mindful that um, as Unity evolves their multiplayer offering, that there might be an opportunity for us to dive back in, put more work on it. Um, maybe it's still Mirror, maybe it's it's some more stuff we add. Um, the problem we find, and it's one of the things whenever we're designing a course, we think about these things a lot, is there's a certain amount of learning and knowledge that we want people to have on the core thing that they come along for. So if you want to learn multiplayer and you want to know how to use a multiplayer framework, then we're like, cool, we'll teach you Mirror. It's one of the best at the moment. It's what people are recommending. It's available. It's free. There's documentation. Great. We'll teach you how to use it and get set up. And we'll do enough examples so that you can use it. If we get there and say, okay, now let's make another multiplayer game. For example, let's make a co-op type game also using Mirror. Then it evolves from being kind of, you know, 50% learning multiplayer and 50% learning gameplay mechanics, which is what the RTS was. We have to teach you a little bit of how to make the tanks move and shoot and stuff. And then in the next section, 
it's more like 10% multiplayer and 90% the gameplay mechanics. And so um, that's no longer fulfilling on our promise of we're going to teach you multiplayer. It just becomes we're just going to teach you another game project. So, I mean, we know that people would love more game projects, but one person is going to want first-person shooter, one person's going to want co-op, one person's going to want this, one person's going to want that. So we try to use something that's fairly generic and works from for a number of genres and say, we've taught you one genre, RTS, and then now you should hopefully have the framework that you can apply this to other areas. So that's just our thought process. We try to be as transparent as possible. And it's not that we don't want to give you more, it's just um these things take a long time to create so we try to do it in a way that that meets the needs of the most people if that and makes sense. the goal of the course is to get them to learn the how to make their own multiplayer game right so that they mm-hmm. could in theory carry over to something like co-op so um like all the components are there right all the pieces minus the game design yeah. and mechanics and stuff yes and and i mean we haven't taught for example how to do it how to make it as turn-based so there's a big gap in there, but like I said, the um, hopefully you know the multiplayer, sorry, the the server networking side of it, even if you don't know the gameplay mechanics side of it. Yeah, so you can go and, and work that stuff out in another mechanism. Cool. Zandiel01 says, three years ago I started the 3D Udemy course. Now I've got three projects on itch, contacts in the local industry, and an interview next week for an 18th month internship. internship. Thanks for helping me get all this kicked off, Rick. That's awesome. Awesome. So are you um, using your bedroom voice again, Tim? So I'm so I'm losing my voice <laughs> because I've been made meetings all day. <clears throat> Sorry about that. It's Did probably you, like Do I need to reread all that or are you good? He just said he took your course and th- and he has three projects on itch now and he's going to get an internship and all that. So wicked. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. so awesome. That's honestly you guys, that's why we do this. That I I love hearing people say, "Hey, I, you were part of my journey not all like it's you guys are doing the work right you're, you're doing the work we're just giving some input some guidance some starting points some you know hey here's what we found so we're helping you along that journey but when we hear people say i've gone from a to b and you gave us some help along that process it's like wow that's why we do it that's that's the meaningful part of this whole process and i think tim and i have we've gone from a to b and maybe to c on our journey and it's so fulfilling now to look back because we ourselves don't really want to go from A to B again because we've gone on that journey and there's a lot of hard work to do it. But we love helping people go from A to B a bit faster or with a few less headaches or a few less bumps in the road. So um, thanks for sharing that stuff with us. Appreciate it. Yeah, totally. Um, are there any plans to do more with this channel now other than this or other AMAs? Ah, interesting question. What do you think, Tim? Anything else you'd want to do with Twitch? Yeah, this was kind of crazy last minute change because we've done AMAs on Discord before and we've done like a bunch of stuff like that. But I was like, what if we, what if we do it on Twitch? What if we, because I, I like to stream stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I can't commit to anything. Don't want to do any of that. But I do like the video format better. I feel like it helps us connect a little bit better. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. So it's as if we, it's as if, our core programs are video programs i mean so overlap there yep i mean you, we, we do have experience you, there right so. time my friend <laughs> you got, 
Hang on, we make videos, we should do videos. We're onto something here. Oh my God, yeah. what if we did everything in video? The, <laughs> the tricky thing with Twitch is um, committing to something that has um, regularity, like commitment. So we're a little bit commitment phobic with Twitch because we know Twitch as a platform is people are expecting, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they get to see us hanging out and chatting, but that's not necessarily the best use of our time. So um, I think if we can find a schedule that works and is also not just appropriate for one or two time zones that we can do a couple of time zones here and there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, the question would be, what do people want us to, to do these sorts right. of things now? Like, what do you want to see? What, what do you want us to talk about? Um, we're busy trying to make as much um, learning content and game dev, game dev kind of tutorials and videos and courses and all those other good things. So um, in addition to those things, what would you like to see? I think is the question I have for the folks out there. Right. And specifically, like if you've joined uh, Discord AMAs before, would love to know if you prefer the video or the audio um, stuff mm -hmm. like that. If you like the video format, if you like events like this, um, not to override your question. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. just looking through, see if we've got any more questions in here. We'll probably give ourselves another five or so minutes, I think. Try to keep it to an hour and 15 if we can. Um, How would you tip. recommend being super efficient, specifically saving time when you're making games uh, as an individual, not on a team. Um, I got something, assets, just using stuff that exists already, not not reinventing the wheel. Um, that'll save you a ton of time. Um, I, unfortunately, am super guilty of wanting to reinvent everything. So I've done so many projects where I'm like, you know what, I want to make this thing, so I'm just going to make the entire inventory system from scratch. And, like, realistically, you can probably find an inventory system, right? Um, that's that's decent uh yeah, reusable code Use, saving your code assets. from last projects that kind of stuff yeah, reuse for sure the other thing is um make a thing once and then reskin it so for example if you've got a game that has enemies in it make one sort of enemy that might have i don't know two or three um variables you can tune like the speed the hit points the size Th those are things that are easy to create and then have enemy number one that is blue and it goes faster, has less hit points, and is smaller. Enemy number two, which is the exact same enemy, but it's red, and it has more hit points, goes slower, and is bigger. So that that way, reuse within your code, and look right. to look to improve your game through tuning rather than features. So if you've got a game that's just um, you know like a a side-scrolling platformer then rather than saying, okay, I also need destructible terrain and I also need, um, you know, f uh, a whole system of character customization and I already need, I need this and this. Before you get there, make just the running and jumping amazing. Play around with that. How can I have a, a different kind of physics flow to how you jump and fall? How can I have, um, you know, a, a boost that when I'm, um, when I'm running, the boost feels better or, you know, how can I make the whole animations feel tighter? So work on the features you have already and iterate on them, polish them before you go and build a whole new part of your architecture. Yeah, you know, I, just to add on to that too, I've realized that um, since I've designed so many games, I started to realize that I can save a lot of time with game design itself. Mm. And so like for my current 
uh, game, Battleborn Tactics. Like, I spent four years on my previous Steam game, so it was just like, there's no way in hell I'm doing that again. No, 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 that was way too much of my life. So I was like, how can I make a game in like three to six months versus like four years, right? Because I want to make a, a Steam commercial game, I want to charge the same amount, but I would just want to spend less time on it. One of the things that I did was, if you think of Battleborn Tactics, it's kind of like um, a chessboard with a bunch of animals that have, all have different abilities on it. Uh, but I made, I'm, I designed it to where um, you can, your team can capture the other team, the other enemies at any point. And then so having done that, they were, I used the same code for the AI versus the player because they all had the mm -hmm. same abilities. And then on top of that, I took all of those characters. So now you've got, now I've got, I designed like 70 some playable characters. So I had 70 playable characters, but at the same time I had 70 enemies, right? Because they're the same characters. But at the yeah. same time, I had 70 unlockables that you can unlock in the menu, right? So by designing it that way, I was able to kind of add more content without really adding more content. But like just thinking through the design a little bit and kind of um, cutting corners in places that I thought were like just a smarter way to work rather than working harder, right? Yep. Yep. Cool. Awesome. We'll see if we can get through a couple of questions super quickly to get as many of these before we wrap up. Um, from Allo Blinker, uh, what does a gameplay programmer generally, what are they in charge of making animation blend spaces or creating AI, uh, a part of it, or is another specialization? So for me, a gameplay programmer, uh, is very broad. It can be doing a bunch of things. It's easy to say what it's not. So a gameplay programmer is not necessarily looking at the multiplayer networking server side of things, not necessarily looking at um, implementing or, or improving the rendering of how things look. So there's a lot of things that they're not. What What is a gameplay programmer doing? Well, literally anything to do with the game that the player is playing, they're doing. So not necessarily the engine that's supporting it, but the game, the features. So animation type stuff, yep. It can be... Uh, user interface it can be buttons and menus generally in a big team that might be called a like a user interface programmer but it's, it can fit within gameplay um, ai absolutely to do with ai on a big team you might have someone who is a an ai programmer but it's still i think within within that blanket of of gameplay so most of what the player will see and touch and move and interact with and the features and the mechanics and the systems uh, a gameplay programmer will be doing. I'm with you. I don't really have anything to add to that. I, although yeah. just, I want to reiterate that like gameplay programmer is not the same in every company. So it's kind of dangerous because like game to is such a universal, crazy global field with all this different stuff in it everybody kind of refers to different things differently yeah um okay and i think we've got a couple more and then we'll be done snipe 44 is it better to focus on one project at a time or juggle a few uh to keep things fresh i'm worried about doing multiple concurrent projects will make them span like four times longer well this is a very interesting what do you you jump into that one first i'm guilty of this first of all so i i've kind of changed my philosophy on this and let me just say for beginners, I think it's super important to dedicate yourself to a project and get it out there and get your first published game out there. I think it is such a monumental task to go through that whole process and finish a game and publish it, especially if you want to do something like Steam. If you just want to do hobby stuff and release stuff on itch, it doesn't really matter. But if you want to be like a professional game developer and you want to release stuff on Steam and you want to go down that route, 
I highly recommend that you stick to something and, and get all the way there. That being said, having done that and having been severely burnt out and spending way too long on a project, uh, creatively, I find myself so much more refreshed by having a few things that I'm working on and I kind of make a little bit of progress. But you've got to be able to trust yourself to, to be a finisher and actually make it past that finish line. And until you've done that, you don't know what that includes. So I think it's very dangerous to have that um, those multiple projects going because shiny object syndrome can really take hold of you and you can kind of just do a bunch of stuff all at one time. But a after you finish a project, after you trust yourself enough to be a finisher, um, I think creatively it makes a lot of sense to kind of um, swap off here and there um, because I think it it uh, you just lose clarity on anything that you work on for too long. And it really helps to be like, okay, I lost clarity on this. Let me pick up on this and, and kind of test stuff on this. And um, I, I find that when I cut, when I switch between projects, I usually have such a clear view of the project that I had if I was just on it all the time. But again, it's dangerous and it depends on where you're at in the game dev journey, I think. What about you, Rick? What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I would recommend having a primary and a secondary and they don't have to be both in the same thing. They don't have to both be games, but have the primary thing that you're working on 70% of the time and then have something that is fun, a hobby. So tinkering with stuff. And if the two relate, great. You can go tinker on a thing and be like, hey, I can put that into my number yeah. one thing. Um, but don't work on two or three or four projects equally where you're trying to get all of them. Right. That's a good have point. One, here's my thing. And then here's the stuff I do to keep fresh. So my game Battleborn Tactics has factions in it and there's like seven or ten factions or however many factions are in there one of the factions is murder bunnies and because of that when i started messing with card game stuff i i came up with this card game called murder bunnies that was just like a a thing that i was doing and it became kind of a secondary project but it was related and the main reason it was related is because i had all the artwork sitting around for battle bar and i got lazy and i didn't want to draw all these cards from scratch so i just kind of um filled that in and uh, i agree with the primary secondary thing i think that's that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, cool. Uh, question from Merkel Stickler. Uh, will you make a course on making a character creation system? So I'm guessing you mean a character customization system. So, you know, change the clothes, change the face shape, all that kind of stuff. Um, possibly, possibly if there's enough demand for it. Um, no plans at the moment. So that's one of those. Sounds cool. No plans at the moment. Um, not much more I can say about that. Yeah. Uh, Tim, any from this is this is from Ixiyuku. Any advice? That's probably not how you pronounce it at all. Any advice for an experienced sys admin switching to game dev? By experience, I mean oldie. Um, yeah, actually. So my main advice would just be, if you're sys admin, if you have a little bit of programming experience, you've done a lot, a lot of technical stuff. Uh, one of the things that you'll notice difference about game dev is a lot of software and a lot of managing software is about reducing the friction completely and like eliminating anything at all um, a lot of game dev is about kind of if you think of a game it kind of all is just one giant friction or kind of thing right there's no real point to it there's no like functional purpose so i think learning a lot about the um the ux perspective and like how how people get entertained and 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 the entertainment aspect of games versus just the technical aspect of building them I think is really important that's where game design and stuff comes in so if you got a lot of experience on the technical side um learn a little bit more about the game design part not the development part because the development part is where your technical stuff comes in but 
the design aspect I think is really important. Yep. And the answer to nearly all of these things is make games. You know, yeah. how do I get better at making games? Make games. How do I show employers I'm good at making games? Make games. Don't make gigantic ones, just make moments. So make something where you can show someone his five minutes of some awesome. That's all you need. You don't need to make something spectacularly launched eight hours of experience. So make game moments and just have at it. Game jams, man. Game jams. It's great to get games under your belt. Uh, will from uh, Viranic, will any of your courses show how to upload a game to Steam or to the Apple or Play Store? So uh, another one of those courses, it's a little bit secret because it's not launched yet, but we're working on a Unity mobile course that will have deployment to both the App Store and um, Play Store. So that's that's the goal of that. That's the, the main point is make mobile games and actually get them out there, get them live. Um, Steam's a little bit trickier. We don't have plans just at the moment on Steam. Um, Steam is complicated because under their terms of service, you're not allowed to show their back end. Yeah. So it's really hard to make a course when you can't technically show their back end. That's exactly why we don't have Xbox and PlayStation right. and Nintendo stuff. It's a lot of these places just won't let us show it. Um, for licensing reasons so we'd love to but we kind of can't and yeah i haven't steam used to be like that i haven't looked at it recently but it sounds like tim you've looked at it more recently and yeah it's just there's things we're not allowed to show secrets yeah like we could probably describe it but it wouldn't be that great of a course just like okay we'll go do and click the thing and go to steam and push a button it's funny because steam is the one thing that needs a course it is so confusing to figure out where in the hell to click in that back end it is insane uh, QSTM, where can we show demand for a course we'd like to see? Hmm, good input. We used to have a forum post, but uh, now I think it would be just good question. Let me ask Lucy about that one and see where we can we can access that kind of stuff. But um, just yeah, our usual channels, uh, forum, um, the Game Dev Community forum. There might be one on there. We can have a look for that. But um, have a look at see if Lucy any- too. Yeah, and send it to Lucy. Hey, Lucy, I'd like to register my interest in this. So for any questions ever, if there's ever anything you don't know, Lucy at gamedev.tv. There we go. All right, Peter, inbox. Yeah. Okay, any last questions, Tim, before we wrap it up and everyone falls asleep? Does Steam um, have a course on Steam? Um, they Well, they sort of. They have videos that show it, but like... They're not very good. So I highly recommend if you're going to do a Steam game that you join a community with people that have done Steam before because there are things that like somebody will just tell you that will save you hours. Um, like they have, for example, they have this whole thing that's like command line and you have to type this stuff to upload your game. But then they also have like a click to find zip file and upload it. But they don't tell you that in the video. So it's like you're doing all this command line stuff when you could upload it as a zip file. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, I would join a community, and um, GameDevTV's got a huge community on Discord. If anybody's not part of the Discord, I recommend it. Yeah. Cool. So um, I think that's probably all we have time for today. As always, if you have any other questions, then shoot them our way. Um, shoot them over to the Lucy email that we just let you know about, or jump on Facebook or on Discord. Even if we don't see these things immediately, we've got um, tons of awesome, fantastic, amazing moderators and admins, and they they 
part of me, they surface those things to, to us if we don't see it at the time. So um, yeah, please do ask your questions wherever you're hanging out, Discord or Facebook or the community.gamedev.tv. Um, just as a wrap up question, do you guys want to let us know your thoughts on um, just a, should we, should we stick with video for our next AMA? Should we give video more of a go or go back to just audio? So if you just let us know video or audio only, um, in terms of your preference for how we go about delivering these things. And obviously yeah. the, the implication is if it's video, we do it here on Twitch. Um, and if it's audio only, we would just do it on Discord. I guess this is an example of the probably the most biased question you could ever Yeah, everybody's ask. watching the video right yeah. now. So hey, only the, thing the video people are doing, here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Twitch has polls. Oh no, but then can i make uh can i make fun of how it's pronounced just strop strop ruple twitch Struple? twitch pull pull to no no it doesn't work as well strop yeah dear rick better. you said you worked in market research yet you <laughs> asked all the people watching video do you like video <laughs> well i mean that's not the biggest mistake we made in this stream so it's fine <laughs> we had looping audio when we started yeah awesome cool. good stuff so tim Good talking to you today. Thanks Good for talking to out. you, Rick. It always is. And thank you, everybody, yeah. for watching us talk to each other. Yes. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's fun hanging out. Um, um, we'll be awesome we'll do events in the future, right? Um, who knows if there'll be video or audio, but there's definitely stuff. So stay tuned to Game Dev TV. Get all the links down below with the you know Discord stuff, and make sure you join the follow the Twitter and join the Discord and keep in touch there's actually a um a subscribe notification when you join the discord make sure you sign up for like notifications if you want to be notified when we do events like this because this would really help so thank you everybody great talking to you guys thanks bye for bye. the questions see y'all later well that's it thanks for listening you can find all courses at gamedev.tv or in the show notes at a discounted price get started with your game development journey today